This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the MBSP episode 21 of season two. It's Brandon Worth here, not Joe, even though that was his elaborate intro. But Joe is here. Say hello, Joe. Now I'm going to have to come up with a new intro because we just <laughs> took it from me. But we got a pretty good episode today. Em- uh, camp is a little bit empty, but that doesn't stop us from getting the studio. So very excited for today's show. Yeah, we have a special guest on today. He is a Ferris State track thrower. Trevin Rosnowski is here. Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No I, problem, uh, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. We love having guests on the show, and if you if you want to be a guest, you know what to do. Follow us on Twitter and message us, and we can get you in the studio. Yeah, it was really... I don't know about you guys, but I know we talked about this off-air. Like With the order being in place now, campus is very dead, and it's very, very weird. It's just like when we when like the first time it came down, when they like the week after spring break, when everyone was moving out and stuff, and just like there was no one on campus, and it's just... It's eerie, but like it's, I don't know, it's weird. For sure. Definitely a ghost town. I can already tell apartment complexes are starting to shuttle out. Everybody's heading home. It's, uh, it's, a, different, it's a different world. Everybody's kind of in a different spot. Nobody's really sure uh, how they're going to finish up the rest of the semester. This whole uh, virtual thing kind of happened a week early for a lot of people. Yeah, so. a lot earlier than expected. I mean, I was walking by the quad this morning and the flight, and I'm like, am I supposed to be here right now? Like, nobody <laughs> else is here. It's kind of weird, but... Campus police are going to, like, arrest you. Like, yeah, tackle you on the tackle ground. Tackle me on the spot. No, no. That would that would definitely make news over the podcast. But anyway, with Trevor here, let's do an interview, guys. Cool. Sounds good. All, All right. Trevor, we know you are a thrower. I know personally we have been on the same squad in the indoor and outdoor track. Well, soon to be outdoor once right, we get back. Right. But um, what is it like being on the track team, be able to throw for Fair State? Uh, it's been a phenomenal experience. I came in uh, four years ago now. It's crazy. Uh, about this time, four years ago, I was coming in for my first official visit, uh, meeting with Coach Larry Levine, uh, Coach Jared Kelsch. And uh, since then, I've enjoyed really every second of it. I have had some phenomenal teammates. Um, that have guided me. I, uh, you know, really wish we could have had a spring season last year. Was really proud of the progress we were making as a squad. Um, but you know, we came back this fall uh, ready to get some more training in. Of course, we ended things a little bit earlier. I was planning on staying on campus, uh, doing some more training uh, while we headed towards winter break. But now, going to transition to some training at home too, and uh, taking some influence home with me. Uh, just trying to make the most of the situation. It's uh, definitely tough on everyone. Um, this week, uh, just talking with some of the other throwers, you know, wishing we could continue to train with our coach, but we are going to make the most of it. But yeah, I've really enjoyed every moment I've, uh, had here. I've had some awesome teammates, uh, move on and now are in the real world doing their thing. Still have some awesome teammates that are with me here and we all just support each other. Um, especially on the thrower side of things. It's been excellent. That's awesome. And especially for you kind of now, like you said, going to home, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to train. What was that kind of like when COVID first hit? And now even here, the kind of the days are starting to blend together. What do you find for motivation to get work done and um, just get better? Yeah, I uh, actually it was weird when COVID first hit. You know, I was really, like I said, proud of the progress we were making as a team, proud of my progress. Personally, I uh, was really taking those small steps that were really building into some nice throws for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when COVID hit, I went home. I was already home for spring break. Um, I actually had a really awesome training partner back there, um, Eli Winter. He was a senior at Alpena High School. He's now a uh, freshman throwing at Michigan this year. Wow. Um, I Dang. Co- yeah, I, I coached him uh, a little bit in high school. 
Um, but last spring we were really uh, training partners and have been the past couple um, summers when I've been home. So uh, he was part of the reason that, you know, kept me motivated to throw because he was still trying to uh, train for some virtual meets, even though his uh, MHSAA season got canceled last spring. But uh, yeah, we were out there in the cold uh, in March and April, even into early May throwing. Um, at that point, I kind of started working for the summer. So I kind of um, took a step back from throwing just to focus on work, um, took a step back from lifting as well. But yeah, all the way through May, uh, stayed pretty motivated to lift. Um, but now, you know, this fall coming back in, um, I think I've been motivated just because I know that um, it's my last year at Ferris. I really want to, um, you know, I know I'm probably not going to go, you know, to nationals or anything or uh, perform well at regional meets. But if I could be competitive in the conference and, you know, make the most of my final year here, that would just be phenomenal. Um, but I think um, just what keeps me motivated is trying to get better every day. Um, I think early on in my college career, I was trying to make too big a jumps too you know, too much at a time. But really breaking things down, um, taking every cue I get from my coaches and implementing it into my throws has been uh, what's worked best for me. And I'm really excited to see uh, what it all culminates with in the spring or, you know, maybe this indoor season, if we're able to have that sounds like we might. Um, but yeah, I, I've been able to stay motivated just uh, working with my teammates, um, working with my coaches. I, you know, I've had a really awesome fall of training and I'm excited to keep it going. So that's what's going to keep me motivated as I transition to training at home. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think that's a, a lot of sports are really feeling with now is like the camaraderie being together in one environment just helps so much, regardless if you're wearing masks or not. It just getting off or getting energy off of each other is something that makes your training better, your your chemistry better and everything overall around the team better. And I know you guys in the track team, we have a pretty good chemistry. I know a lot of the throwers and um, jumpers have a really good relationship as well as the sprinters as well. But I mean... I'm glad you brought up um, Alpena High School because I know that you've done some coaching back home, which I've also done over the last um, last semester due to COVID happening, of course. Thanks, yeah. COVID. But um, it, it's an opportunity to give back, and I know that you've done that. And how much has that helped you as far as not only competing at, here at Ferris, especially in your final year, but giving back? How does that make you feel? Uh, you know, I've loved giving back to my high school track program. Uh, I started that the year after I... Uh, graduated my first year I came back that spring my first year after college um, I was there every day at practice helping those throwers um, going to meets you know I was uh, actually hired on as, a, and as an assistant coach uh, for Alpena track and field and I've been doing that the past three years even last spring I helped coach when I was home for spring break it was their first uh, week of track practice of course then COVID hit but I'm still trying to help kids out give them some virtual workouts or workouts they can do at home uh, virtually of course um but yeah, it's been excellent that I've had an opportunity to do that. Um, I've had, you know, phenomenal mentors in the throws, uh, Larry Levine, of course, my coach here at Ferris, but also my high school coach, uh, Jamie Bullis was a phenomenal influence on me. He invited me back in to help him uh, coach the throws at Alpena, kind of got me my jump start in coaching. I've worked um, a couple camps now um, in Alpena. We do a top flight throws uh, clinic where we uh, invite local throwers in from northern Michigan. Nice. Um, yeah, and also um, had an opportunity the past couple of summers to go out to uh, Meadville, Pennsylvania, <laughs> Allegheny College, uh, where I coached with uh, Coach Matt Ellis and a phenomenal group of throws coaches from across the country, really, um, and coached throwers from all over the northeastern United States. Even, you know, we brought throwers from Michigan to go to that camp. I went to that camp in high school. And uh, I learned so much from Coach Matt Ellis, Coach Gary Aldrich, um, all the people out there at that camp were 
really phenomenal influences on me. And of course, uh, actually last last summer, yeah, last summer I started uh, Up North Throws, which is actually a like online uh, coaching uh, analysis business that I run. It's not anything major, but it's uh, it was born out of the idea that I was helping some of our throwers back in Alpena. They would send me videos. I would give them feedback. And I thought there's, you know, an underserved population, especially in northern Michigan, that doesn't don't even have throws coaches when the spring season hits. So um, if I can, you know, watch their videos and give them feedback, that was something I want to be able to do. And, of course, COVID hitting um, kind of took a little bit of the fire behind that, you know, out of the equation. But yeah. excited to put some more into that post-college, definitely. So. It sounds yeah. like, a, like an awesome opportunity. And I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about it off air about your major and kind of what you want to do. You want to go into education. You already did some kind of shadowing at my alma mater, Tri-County. What's it kind of like to see already the relationships you can build with students? And like, what are you really looking forward to? And what are you excited for when you get that uh, student teaching opportunities in the full-time job? Yeah, I mean, education for me, I didn't come here as an education major, but I knew uh, I've always thought about education because of the personal relationships you can build with people. Um, I knew I came here as an optometry major. I knew that I wanted something more. I wanted more personal interaction with people, something that day in and day out I could you know, have an influence on their day, on uh, maybe their uh, mindset, how they approached um, the different things they were involved in. And I think you can get that as both an educator and as a coach. And me, sure. you know, having that background in sports, I love working with people. I love um, one of the things my coach uh, kind of shared with me, my high school coach, Jamie Bullis, he always said, you know, we have an opportunity as coaches to take athletes where they couldn't get themselves or where maybe they don't see, uh, we could take them places that they don't seem are possible. Um, and I think that's true of the classroom too. We can uh, share that with students. We can um, support them in reaching goals that they may not see are attainable. And uh, I think just always um, giving students that backing because a lot of them may not have that at home. Um, just giving them that support that they need to be successful, to, you know, chase their interests. Um, and, you know, you develop all sorts of relationships out of that. You know, I, I feel a close personal connection in the classroom to athletes because that's who I was as a student. But um, just seeing what people are passionate about, whether that's, you know, being in theater, whether that's the job they work after school, um, anything that I can connect um, between them and myself, that's that's where I find the most joy in teaching and coaching as well. It's uh Helping people uh, get from point A to point B. It might not look the way they thought, but uh, it's really awesome when they uh, achieve something they didn't think was possible. So That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that really is awesome. And I mean, we have some great coaches here. I know you mentioned Coach Levine. He's a, he's a very, very cool guy as well as a very good coach. And they, we've had a lot of successful throwers, even bringing up Cody Stilwell. He's done amazing. And I mean, he made it to Nationalist Trevor. You could get there. Anything's yeah, possible, yeah. man. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i seen over the last couple um, months, weeks, looking at like some of the guys you are, some of the throws you guys are doing and all, you guys look like you're throwing really well. And I mean, watch it. I didn't have a I was I was really hard last year because I feel like in indoor I was really trying to figure out because I hadn't run track in a while and I was still trying to figure it out and I mean there would be times where it was like oh I'm warming up and stuff and then I'm like oh they're throwing right now I want to go watch and whatever and I couldn't get a chance to watch you guys but like what you guys do is a really incredible craft I mean it's so technical it's so time precise you have to be perfect or bad bad things could happen so I mean it's a really hard thing to do especially talking hammer hammer is one of the craziest sports I think in Olympics I mean you got I mean, just looking, obviously, the college level, you don't have as um, 
narrow of a gap as you do in the Olympics as far as the cage goes. But, I mean, you have to be – it has to be right on or you you could have a really bad throw. So, I mean, what you guys do is awesome. And we're really looking forward to seeing what you're doing in the spring. And what what are you looking forward to in the spring as far as improvement-wise? Well, yeah, thank you very much for your comments on our sport. Uh, it's definitely not for everyone. It's definitely, <laughs> sure. it's definitely a unique thing uh, to commit a lot of time to. Um, especially like when you're indoors with the weight or the shot, uh, even a good throw doesn't go all that far. You're trying to <laughs> squeeze the most out of it. But, um, yeah, and you brought up Cody too, uh, one of my college roommates, uh, one of my friends, um, who definitely had a huge influence on me, um, just in terms of how I approach training. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, with all that said, uh, heading towards the spring, um, I'm really excited for outdoor season. I know indoor is going to be there first. Uh, we'll get some weight throws in. Not mm-hmm. my favorite event, obviously. It's it's <laughs> sure. uh, it's tough on the body. It's tough on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make it happen. Uh, heading towards the spring, though, I know uh, I've already PR'd big in practice and um, in both events, and I throw discus and hammer throw outdoors. Um, so I'm just looking to continue moving that mark. I think it'd be awesome to uh, make a GLIAC final in either of those events. And I think uh, what I've done with training this fall has given me a chance to um, be in a position to do that in the spring. Um, you know, especially in discus, I've made some uh, pretty big gains. And the easy throws now, I can do an easy throw where I would have had to put a lot of effort in before. So, um, you know, and that's just a product of uh, believing in everything that Larry has shared with me. Um, as my coach, um, kind of taking it step by step and not, you know, like I said, trying to make some of those big jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, committing time in the weight room, uh, having more focused lifts has been huge. Um, I, like I said uh, off air beforehand, I feel like in some of the best shape that I've been in um, in training throughout my college experience. So um, I'm just really excited to continue training through Christmas break. I know I've had Christmas breaks in the fall or in the past where I've fallen off a little bit. So I'm excited to just continue training and pushing towards an awesome spring season where hopefully Mm -hmm. we can uh, really be competitive in the GLIAC, not just myself, but also for my teammates. Yeah, it's so cool to see the hard work paying off. And uh, kind of last question, not all our viewers may know this, but you're actually roommates with uh, Mike's and Takes co-host Barrett Jones. Uh, Could you give just a little insight on really what's it like to have Barrett as a roommate? Yeah, yeah, I know... uh, yeah, Barrett, obviously, is my roommate. I've lived with him for two years now. One of my good friends, uh, even through high school, we played football together. Um, of course, uh, you know, fellow Bulldog Radio podcaster. So really appreciate the sure. uh, opportunity to be in the studio here where he uh, works his magic as well. Um, yeah, living with Barrett's been an uh, awesome experience. He's always uh, off. You know, it seems like he's always off filming a podcast. He's uh, had a lot of stuff going on with his classes this fall. But, um, you know, he's a big gamer, <laughs> loves to game. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's always – I love having uh, – we've had some awesome late-night conversations about whatever. We go to dinner, whether it be at The Rock or somewhere else, and have some awesome conversations about just life in general. Um, but, yeah, it's been uh, really cool to see him grow throughout college. You know, he was at – uh, you know, obviously in high school with me at Alma College. Um, now he's here at Ferris and uh, really making the most of all the opportunities he's had. And it's it's been phenomenal to watch. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, I mean, Barrett's a cool guy. We we really, I know me and Joe, we met him over um, joining the RSO. Seems like a year ago yeah. now. It's, it's time to fly. We had our first class with him. Yeah, had- I mean, he's a really cool guy and we're fortunate enough. I know I had my big break as far as sports podcasting, really figuring it out on their show. And it's really cool to see us now collaborating together. They're, the, him and Travis are awesome guys. And if you guys haven't checked out Mike's and Takes, do so on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Absolutely fantastic show. But moving on now into the, the bulk of our show, we got some NFL 
to preview for this week. Obviously, Trevor, you are a big Lions fan, as me and Joe are. This week, we're taking on the Carolina Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater. How are we feeling about this week, fellas? I think you got to have some confidence in the Lions here with a game like this. Um, man, we've had we've had a lot. Even the games we've lost this year, we've put forth a good effort. Um, just seems we always let it slip away. Um, if we can shore up some of those things, I think uh, we have a really good chance to uh, get a dub against the Panthers. Yeah, especially now that the Panthers, I mean, Christian McCaffrey was out, came back a little bit, and now he's going to be out again. I think that's going to be really good. We kind of have to figure out what we did against uh, Washington, what we did right, and kind of fix what we did wrong because we should have beat him by at least a touchdown or two. Should have, yeah. But luckily, Matt Prater is godlike, so he was able to, I mean, basically put the team on his shoulders once again and get the win. But, I mean, it's going to come down. I feel like Matt Stafford is trying to nurse that injury that he had. He's probably, he's not 100% yet, definitely. I can t- You can definitely see in this game play. But now that Christian McCaffrey's out, we're coming off a huge win. Well, not a huge win, but any win's basically huge for the Lions. But that's right. um, we're coming off a win, so I think that's going to be boding well for us. It's not probably going to be another three-point game. I don't think we're going to blow him out by any means. But Teddy Bridgewater, he's dangerous. Yeah, Teddy. I mean, he's he was fantastic in New Orleans, filling in for Drew Brees, and now he's really. I don't. I think a lot of people are kind of discrediting Teddy because I mean, obviously the Panthers are three and seven, so. It's not the record you want. I mean, you have head coach Matt Rule there from Baylor still. He's still figuring out the system. He's got he's got some talent. I mean, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and then um, Robbie Anderson. That's a crazy receiving core. Then you had Christian McCaffrey. They should be in great shape. I think next they really need a tight end. I don't think Ian. I think losing Greg Olson was really that was their staple. They really they really enjoyed having Greg. He filled the role really well. So I think that's probably what they're looking for next to solidify. But as far as their defense goes, I mean. Um, they're they're not as I mean they have Jackson obviously at the corner spot but they're otherwise they're they're really sketchy I mean they made a bid for McCoy and then obviously he ended up leaving to Dallas and that kind of left a hole in the defensive line so I this is a chance for our offense to exploit I think one thing we have to watch is the I think the changes that Carolina's going to make because obviously they're probably going to be playing some sort of zone to try to take out our vertical passing with Stafford and Jones and Amendola now because I mean that's been successful over the last couple games even short passes too Uh, I would really love to see Swift have another day because I mean that was absolutely huge and I know we've advocated him so many times this year that we he needs more touches free DeAndre Swift start the hashtag and he finally gets it and he gets it and he puts up over 140 yards I mean the dude it's, it's showing why we drafted him second and I really was confused on draft day why we did it but now I'm starting to see why they really saw a lot out of him so really excited I think that'll probably be a really good game i mean our defense needs to step up though because i mean their offense is good their vert- their passing attack is very good and our corners haven't played that great so no no yeah it, it's been a, it's been an up and down for our defense but i mean this could be a good game might be another matt prater icing on the cake i don't know we'll have to just wait and see but um tomorrow night we have a a pretty big game it's the seahawks and the cardinals russell wilson against kyler murray in a quarterback showdown of I wouldn't, I wouldn't say two of the best offenses, but when you look at the other side of the ball for both teams, it's probably going to end up being an offensive slugfest. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's something where I'm just really excited. We finally, we've been saying it all the time where we thought Packers and 49ers was going to be the first good Thursday night game, but honestly, this one's going to be the first one. We've been starved for so long to have actually a entertaining, good middle-of-the-week football game, and now that we're going to get it, I'm super excited, but... Like you said, Brandon, it's probably going to be an offensive slugfest, a lot of scoring, good for the viewer. Um, but I don't know. I'm really excited. Hopefully, um, 
Cardinals can do some. I'm hoping that they could probably get the upset, but Seahawks, I think they're coming off a loss from last week, correct? Yep. I think that they're gonna not going to be – I don't think they're going to go two in a row. Russell – I always say Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Russell Wilson isn't going to let that happen, especially him being a leader on the team. He rarely ever loses two times in a row um, when they're hot like this. So I think all the signs are pointing to a Seahawks win, but hopefully they make it close and entertaining. I would agree. I think the Seahawks are going to come out with some fire. I know they're going to be hungry after that loss last week, but definitely excited for that quarterback matchup. As you said, both these guys are electric to watch. They are mobile. They are just slinging the ball all around the field. That's what I'm most excited about with this game. Yeah, I I mean, we got we got our debate of the day coming up, and Kyler Murray may be involved, so you want to stay tuned for that. But it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, I, I, will, I am going to roll with the Seahawks. I really do want to pick the Cardinals. After last week's sneaking out over Buffalo, and I mean, I think it was um, uh, I forgot his first name, uh, Ford, for the for Buffalo and Kyler Murray. They were teammates at Oklahoma, and they were talking. Oh, and then Ford was, oh yeah, we should have won that game. I was like, what you mean? We won the game. And yeah, it went back and forth. I mean, that competitive fire is always within Kyler, so it's going to be a great game regardless. I do think Seattle will come back. I mean, Russ, I think this is this is a game for him to make a statement because he hasn't been himself over the last four weeks compared to the first six weeks of the season. So I think this is a big bounce back game for him. DK Metcalf is going to be looking for a really, really big revenge game after getting locked up by Jalen Ramsey last week. So it should be a very exciting matchup as we go over to Rams and Buccaneers. And we don't have we don't even have to guess who Travis is going to pick in this game. He's rolling with Tom. He's Tom, rolling with Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay yeah. yeah, he's going to roll with Tampa Bay. So. Is this an upset brewing? I don't know. We've seen what Jalen Ramsey was able to do last week against DK, and I, you know he's going to be able to lock up his uh, his receiver, but it's going to come down to, I mean, if Aaron Donald can rush Tom Brady and kind of make him scramble out of the pocket and pressure him. I mean, Tom Brady is one of the greatest, so it's not like he's going to be easily pressured and he's going to be able to make those throws, but if he's able to constantly pressure him, I feel like that's going to be able to make a difference. But Tom Brady with that wide receiving core, I feel like that's just too many for the Rams defense to handle because now he's got Antonio Brown um, to go into the mix. I feel like he just has way too many assets for them to be able to control. So I think Tampa Bay is going to take this one, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if uh, the Rams make it close. Absolutely. I think uh, it's it was scary seeing how the Buccaneers put together this offensive core this year, and uh, I think they're going to come out strong again. Of course, I uh, could uh, count on Jared Goff to have a big game. Uh, he's been kind of laying low. I think he might come out strong. And, uh, not good I, for my fantasy team. No, no, yeah, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Of course not. I have Antonio Brown. I'm a little bit biased on this one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still going to roll with uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, this, this game's going to be, I think it's going to be really good, and I think the one thing I am concerned about is, well, honestly, both sides you can consider. Both teams have played flat games this year. I mean, the Rams, what happened in Miami, we have zero clue what happened in Miami when they played the Dolphins. And then Tampa Bay, I mean, just bring up the New Orleans game, and you're saying, where in the did this team get off the bus? These are all imposters. We're playing Among Us right now. But <laughs> it's just a really weird situation where you can see both of these teams completely collapse at some point but I don't think that's going to happen these teams are too good to do that again so it's going to be really exciting I think the Rams run game is something we're going to be watching because honestly both sides honestly with the running game because I mean the Buccaneers have been rolling with Ronald Jones for a while they've mixed in some Leonard Fournette it's been kind of a I wouldn't say like a full hot hand scenario because I think Jones has gotten the the majority of the ground touches compared to Fournette but mm-hmm. I mean you look at the other side <laughs> just draw it out of a hat who's going to be the hot hand at that game because I mean Malcolm Brown Daryl Henderson and then you got Cam Akers the rookie there as well 
it's really whoever's got the hot hand out of those three. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I think both defenses are fantastic. I mean, I think uh, the Rams are ranked second in the NFL statistically defensively and Tampa Bay seventh. So that just shows how great those defenses are. So it's going to be a great Monday night football matchup. But the last matchup we have previewing is another good one. The Ravens and the Titans, Lamar and against Derrick Henry, I should say. I want to say Ryan Tannehill, but I think more people would rather see they're Derrick really, Henry. They're really not in the same league. <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're much different. They have different roles on different teams. Yeah, we, dude, we Ryan Tannehill is just so much better. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Joe. Just kidding. Ryan <laughs> no. Tannehill oh, is all right. He's not terrible. But. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a good matchup. I'm, I'm really excited because both of these teams, I, I mean, Barrett uses the word fraudulent. I'm not going to say either of these teams are really frauds, but the Titans haven't played up to expectations this year compared to last year, making their run all the way through the playoffs, taking out the Patriots and Tom Brady. Everyone's like, whoa, where is this team coming from? And I mean, now everybody's like, they made moves in the offseason. Now it's like, oh, okay, this team's going to be real. And then we watch some of these games and we're just like, wait, where in the world are the Tennessee Titans? Like you bring up the Bengals game. Where were they at? Like it's the same scenario as we're talking about the last game. I mean, the Ravens also, I mean, Lamar Jackson is a fantastic quarterback. He's something, I mean, he's somebody that anybody would love to have on their team as their franchise guy, I'm sure, because of what he brings to the table. But compared to his last year, last year's MVP campaign, he really hasn't been as dynamic of a playmaker as far statistically Mm -hmm. or on the field as he was last year. I know he's pointed a lot to like, oh, defenses are pointing out our schemes, pointing out our plays. It's kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say he's fully leaning on the coaching, the coaching right now, but he's definitely making it seem like it's a little bit more their fault. So it's, it's something really interesting. I'm a big fan of that Ravens defense. Their ability to score points is something I think that really vamps up. And that's why they've been six and threes. Lamar hasn't had to be the MVP guy to win games because that defense has just been that good. So I think this is going to be a really good matchup. I mean, obviously we pick these matchups because we think they're going to be good matchups. So I'm, I'm really looking looking forward to it i think derrick henry could be the the difference in this game yeah i really like this matchup as well uh i think that i think that the titans might surprise some people this week i think uh they started out pretty hot have had a couple of down weeks you know a close one against the bears last week but i think they're going to come out hot ryan Tannehill's going to come out slinging and uh, i think they might steal this one away from the ravens i think it's the ravens game to lose i'm actually i'm I'm a little bit torn because they're both six and three. Uh, Derrick Henry, if he does have a good game, he's going to make it close. And the thing about Lamar Jackson is he's kind of having like a junior year slump rather than a sophomore slump. And it's kind of, I mean, that's kind of surprising because you rarely ever see that. They're usually quarterbacks kind of settled in at this point. But like you said, Brandon, he hasn't been showing what he's been able to do since last year with that dominant running performance. He, I think he only has like 1,500 yards passing this year so far. Or la- I think last year or this year he only has like 1,500 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it's not super great, uh, especially for what he's been able to do. But like you said, that defense basically takes care of business when he's having a little bit of a slump. And they do have Mark Ingram to rely on. Uh, they have a lot of assets. But Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, if he can be able to throw it pretty well, he's he's all right in the in the 20 to 30-yard range. But if they have to force him to throw deep or have to force him to get out of the pocket, I don't know if that's going to bode well for them. But I got to go with Ravens, I think. It's going to be maybe by a touchdown it's probably I don't think that they're going to score too much Derrick Henry's probably going to be the main uh factor for the Titans on the offensive side but I think Lamar and Mark Ingram are going to be able to get some stuff done Mm -hmm. yeah and I I'm honestly 
Not not to be like that guy. But I'm going to save my pick for Friday on Mike's and Takes, so you guys will have to wait to see my pick. Because I'm on, honestly, I'll be I'll be completely frank. I honestly have no idea who I'm picking. <laughs> I think these are going to be a really good game. I, I mean, it's going to be really exciting. I think this week has some great matchups. A lot of sleeper ones, too. I mean, we mentioned, or we were going to talk about Colts, Packers, but... Um, obviously with time constraints we're gonna have to move on but that's gonna be a really good game as well but um moving on now um haven't done this one in a while and i i, I can't, can't believe i forgot about it because it's my segment I, <laughs> I i don't know why i did that because everyone likes joe's fact of the day better that was i guess you guys let us know which one's better but um to my debate of the day we have a good one, and I mentioned that we were going to bring up Kyler Murray, and there's a question brewing around the NFL world right now. I know Ryan Clark has put his perspective in matters, but the question is, guys, right now at this very day, if you're a GM and you had to choose, basically assuming you're going to trade for them right now, it's not like we're going back, who would you have drafted? It's right now. Would you rather have Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson as your starting quarterback for your franchise? I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. It's okay. uh, it's something I've been tossing back and forth in my head, but something about him, man, when he's just scrambling around with that ball way away from his body. Uh, I don't know. I, I really like the fire that he has in him. You know, we talked about Lamar Jackson, too, having a little bit of a slump this year, um, you know, not playing uh, as characteristic as he did last year. Um, but I think I think you can't go wrong with either of these choices. But right now, if I had to pick, I just like the, all the energy that Kyler Murray is showing. Uh, got a lot of confidence in the way he's playing. Um, I'm going to go with Kyler. I got Okay, so it's obviously going to be a 2v1 here today. So I got to go with Lamar for the main reason that he has a chip on his shoulder. He was drafted late. Everyone was saying, how is he going this far down? He's a good player. And then when the Ravens picked him up, he said, I'm going to get this team a Super Bowl. I'm going to get them to where they used to be at. And I don't think Kyler, he was a doubted quarterback when he came out. And people doubted him. Sure they did. Um him going one overall and they didn't know if he'd be able to see over the line i still don't know if he's able to see over the line with that throw to deandre Hop- <laughs> he's lucky deandre hopkins can jump out of the building and can make catches like no one else can but i think lamar i of course he's having the slump this year but it's uncharacteristic i think he's gonna be able to pick it up and i he is able to show what he's been able to do he's a guy who's revolutionized the nfl so far he's been able to kind of make defenses wonder if he's gonna throw or if he's gonna pass we've seen that a couple times before with other quarterbacks like mike vick but really lamar has kind of revolutionized especially with this new era nfl where it's more kind of offense and defenses have to kind of rely on the offense and kind of try to make it so that they can contain them in some way so that way they don't score a huge amount of touchdowns i think lamar is more of a playmaker and is a a little bit better i mean he's what six two and kyler murray is like five ten or five eleven or something like that something like that yeah so in those situations where it's deep ball and you have the pocket collapsing i'd rather have lamar jackson who i feel like is a better scrambler and is a better thrower and can probably see over the line a little bit more rather than kyler murray who has to heave it as high as he heave it basically as far and as high as he can and hopefully someone goes up not saying that kyler murray's bad i just feel like lamar jackson has a better skill set between the or is the better of the skill set between the two since they have such a similar one yeah and i mean you brought you just brought up like hail mary getting it that far and honestly you just you just you just threw me a meatball because i would rather right now i'm not saying that either I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's a a bad quarterback. I'm saying I would rather have Kyler Murray to start my franchise. And the the big reason is because he's got the ability to throw the ball down the field so much better than Lamar does. And that brings an offensive, like, coordinator's 
his playbook goes wide open. That changes the whole game with it. And I'm not saying Lamar Jackson can't throw. He's already proved that to us. I mean, last year, having over 3,000 yards, 36 passing touchdowns, he's been fantastic. But what that offense was able to do last year is something that NFL D coordinators hadn't seen before. And that was, that was something that they really weren't adjusting to. And now we've kind of seen this year, oh, I see what's kind of going on. So they're starting to read it. And now that's why Lamar hasn't been as effective. And I'm not saying that he's a worse quarterback. I know I keep saying it, and he's not like a terrible quarterback. And I would, if I had a chance to have Lamar, sure. But if I had the pick between the two, I'd pick Kyler because his ability to get outside the pocket and use his speed, especially scrambling, designed run, read option, his speed and his ability to make guys miss. I mean, he has 10 rushing touchdowns. And if you think about it, five of them have been inside the five-yard line. And he's been... 1v2, it seems like, on the outside, and he finds a way to get in the end zone. And just his ability to use his speed, get out of the pocket, and then his arm strength, and literally the one throw I have in my head, his first start against the Detroit Lions in Arizona when we are in overtime in, or no, fourth quarter, when he throws it down the field to Larry Fitzgerald, literally pinpoint on the sideline, that I was like, oh, okay, I see where I see where this guy's arms come into play. Because, I mean, he was drafted to play baseball. He has a fantastic arm. He has very very powerful arm. He has the accuracy. There's some times where the decision-making is a little bit sketchy, but with that ability, that opens up the playbook. I mean, yes, he is a little bit smaller, but we've seen guys like that, like Russell Wilson, be successful, and that's why I'd pick Kyler. All right. Okay. I mean, if... Okay, so people say, like, I'm, I've been talking to, like, other buddies and stuff that they say, like, oh, Lamar only has 1,700 yards so far. We're just over halfway through the season. So if he's got 1,700 now, he's going to be close to 3,000 at the end of the year, which is going to be close to how well he did last year with 3,000, I think 3,100 yards or something like that, and 36 touchdowns. He might not get that many touchdowns, of course, but honestly, the thing is, Lamar has, uh, his playoff ability isn't super great, but I feel like that's just because he had so much riding on him coming in from last year. And I think that's one of the main reasons why a lot of people say he's not as good as people say he is, is because of playoff ability. But that's the first time he's been in the playoffs as a rookie, as a, as a second year uh, quarterback. And for him to come in there, and I mean, he didn't play as well, like I said, but you just got to give him credit. I mean, first year, Give him some more time. Give him some more time to develop. And I think this year he hasn't been playing as well. But comparatively right now, if you look at it, he doesn't have as good of a rating. He has, I think, like a 95.6 rating um, compared to last year. I think he had like a 113 or like 110 or something like that. But his completion average is on par with last year. He has the ability to have the same year as last year. He might not get as much publicity for it since he hasn't as he's not a second year quarterback and people are doubting him this year. But honestly, I'd rather have him, especially with the team that he has built around him, because the receivers he has, he has what J.K. Dobbins as one of his main receivers. Kyler Murray has Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins, who are two of the better ones, who are two of the better in the league. So if you look at that, you have two guys who can bail you out in those situations where that you need to make a shoestring catch on the sideline that's going to be over, and you can rely on those guys. But Lamar Jackson has himself to rely on, and he has J.K. and Mark Ingram. So he doesn't have the receiving core that Kyler does, I think. So when you look at it, it's a close one, but I got to go with Lamar just because I feel like people are giving him crap for this year that he hasn't been playing as good. But on on track so far, he's basically going to have the same year. Yeah, I mean... I, I, that is a good point that like the receiving core round makes Kyler better. I, I can't argue with that. I mean, you compare it, Marquise Brown and Willie Sneed, John or Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald, which of those two would you pick? I think it's pretty obvious and it's pretty consensus what America would pick. It's definitely going to be the Cardinals receiver. So I give you I give you credit for that. The only thing is, is you brought up the games, big games. We haven't seen that from Lamar yet. And that's why the I one like year Kyler that he a little went, bit more. He went, 
Okay, I can say that. Kyler so far in his career has done better in big games, but when you look at it, Lamar hasn't had as many to play with, especially with playoffs and stuff like that. You can say that, but Lamar, I feel like now he's got, since he has that chip on his shoulder and since he's frustrated with last year's ending, I feel like if you give him the chance now in the postseason and in the playoffs, he's going to do better than last year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I like where you're coming from. I, I'm still going to stick with Kyler, though. I mean... If he if he has that chip on his shoulder, I'd like to see a little bit you know more of that out of him right now. But uh, I understand that. Yeah, understand. yeah, that's yeah. that's where I'm coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm looking at. I mean, statistically, Lamar's a better quarterback as far as statistics go. And I'm not saying like as far. I'm looking more at how he plays with scheme fit. And I know for a team that I would be like say the head coach for. I could use Kyler Murray a little bit better to his skill set as far as my knowledge compared to Lamar Jackson. And the, the reason why getting outside, throwing the ball deep, being able to make those plays. I mean, he's, I mean, the dude's fast. I, I think he's honestly faster than Lamar. Lamar, by hands down, is way more elusive to get. I mean, because, I mean, the moves he puts on. You, I, you can look at any highlight he's, reel he's on shifty. YouTube he's and he's so- crazy, but... I mean, he's a lot better opening up the field, I think, with his uh, with his legs. Yeah, I think I think both these guys are dreams that you would have on your franchise's quarterback right now. I mean, they're both playing fantastic. But um, another scenario we can play with this one in baseball. Um, we're looking at what would you start your team with a shortstop right now? Red Hot Tim Hand in Tim Anderson Henderson. Where'd that come from? Tim Anderson <laughs> or Fernando Tatis? This one has a little bit more of an age difference, but I mean, both of these guys are young. They're very good as far as playing last year, and they're they're up. Their their ceiling looks very high after last season. You know, it's tough because when I look at Tim Anderson, he's been in the league a while, and he's able to kind of solidify his spot as a shortstop, and he did really well. I mean, I forget how many home runs he had, but he popped off for a little bit. He was like red hot. But when you like Fernando Tatis Jr., he's a guy who's been able to revolutionize so far this whole season. I mean, he had that 3-0 swing. We debated on it, I think, our first show back. Yep. I had my thoughts on it. I yep. got really angry at old man baseball. Yep. Um, but, I mean, he's just a guy who already has just been able to hit the long ball. Guys have been, I mean, the game today is more of a long ball type era. We're seeing, seeing a lot more home runs. I mean, people are saying the balls are juiced, but I feel like it's just training and guys who are just getting way stronger and way better, and they're able to kind of figure out what balls are going to come at them, and, you know, they can recognize that a lot better. So it's tough because I like both of them. I don't like how Tim Anderson's on the White Sox, so we have to see him over half the year um, for the Detroit Tigers. But, like, it's it's just so difficult because both guys are so good, and, like, they have the same skill set. They're both great shortstops. You've seen their highlights of on the field of them being able to, you know, they're so fast that they can get balls that no one else thinks. Their arm strength is incredible, and they have the ability to hit the long ball. But if you just go by stats alone, I feel like you got to go Fernando Tatis Jr. He had, I think, 17 home runs at seven more than Tim Anderson had. And, I mean, people are saying Tim Anderson was in the talks for, I think it was a silver slugger or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Fernando Tatis, as young as he is, I feel like you got to take him now because he has, I feel like, a little bit more longevity. Um, and Tim Anderson, I feel like, he's, I think he's been with the White Sox for six years or something like that. Yeah, uh, five, five I years. About, I think he started in 16. So yeah, five. so five years. I think I'm going to go with Fernando Tatis Jr. for the main reasons of longevity because they have the same skill set and they're so similar. But if I want the 
I guess the best bang for my buck, then I'd have to go with Fernando. Yeah, I'm. This should this should be a debating segment, but Joe, you made you made a good pick. I would also go with Fernando Tatis, and the reason why is, I mean, yes, we've only seen one year. I mean, Tim Ander- Tim Anderson has improved astronomically it seems like since the first year coming in the league i mean you look at his stats compared to his career stats you're like wait what this is somebody messed up the stats here fix them because they don't add up but that's just because of how many improvements he's made and i mean he's a great guy he brings energy i would say that using like the analogy you used trevor about kyla i think he brings that type of energy to chicago and also side note is chicago the white Sox, more hated to us tigers fans than cleveland what like more? Would you, do you hate as a the, Tigers fan? Do you hate the White Sox or the Indians more? That's that might be a debate question in and of itself. Yeah, <laughs> no, we might we might have to leave out. I'll tell know. you what, I hate White Sox fans. Let me I tell you too. that. I'd say I hate the White, White Sox, Sox fans. I hate more. So can but. I tell you? Let me just tell you a quick story. Okay, so uh, <laughs> senior year uh, spring break, we went for a business trip with my dad. So we went to the opening day. White Sox versus Tigers. I had my Tigers hat on. I had a Tigers jersey. Probably not the best idea because there's a lot of guys drinking and like, oh I was, boy, a lot of guys who like were threatening me throughout the whole day. So I was like, all right, well somebody's gonna die today. I guess maybe me, maybe somebody else, but. They are ruthless. They're like Eagles fans, and like I'm not gonna say everyone's. I'm not gonna say everyone's like that, but like they are like next to their kids, swearing at like little kids who are wearing like Tigers jerseys and stuff like that. And like they were chanting, they started chanting like Tigers sucks, and everyone was looking at me because I was the only one in the section that was wearing Tiger stuff. And I was like, hey, like it's whatever. Tigers did end up coming back and winning the game, so I had my I had my sweet revenge. But that's just my story about how I hate White Sox fans. Yeah, I, I would have to say it's the White Sox. Trevor? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> on okay. on, on uh, the little uh, supplemental question here, I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think, uh, I don't know, something about them. Something about Cleveland, too. I don't know if I, yeah. uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a big fan of Yeah, uh, for the record, their fans they're both very hateable. <laughs> I think that's really a preference at this point. Right, but, right. They I mean, probably say the same about us. Oh, but, yeah, they probably hate us, too. That's oh, fine. Oh, I would say we're the most hated uh, from those two teams, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh. I'm going to go with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, um, okay. You know, looking uh, looking at him, he is 17 days older than me. He's 21. He's got a lot of youth, and that's uh, yeah. that's kind of scary. scary. Kind of makes me wonder what I'm doing right now at 21, and he's <laughs> hitting all these homers. Yeah, we're so. we're going to be in debt while he's making millions of dollars a year driving luxury cars around yeah. San Diego. Yeah, a- absolutely. Ball. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't. Um, I didn't know that uh, when he when he you know came out on a tear this year. I figured, oh, this guy's been you know kind of had this brewing for a couple of years, but no, he's been kind of on the scene doing his thing. Um, you know, Tim Anderson, like like we said, he's been doing some really good things lately. But at 27, how much more can we expect out of him? How much more production? Yeah, how long right? is he going to be in his prime? Absolutely, mm-hmm. is is he in his prime? And is he you know you know is, is this going to be the downfall? Yeah, he's maybe is got he like two. Or, yeah. yeah, is this the peak, or does he have maybe two or three more years left? And I don't think the White Sox will be able to build enough to get a championship out of that anytime soon. They were close this year. I mean, didn't they win the AL? AL Central. Uh, e- or it, was either, it was either them or um, they were they were in the hunt with Minnesota and yeah, Cleveland. But, but Cleveland kind of fell off. I mean, I don't year. know if they're going to be able to build around him. San Diego, on the other hand, they have so many assets. They have Manny yep. Machado that they can build up upon. Fernando Tatis is a very good like surprise that they mm-hmm. were able to they have. have. Mike Clevenger too, they, although he has they have Tommy so, John. They have mm-hmm. so many assets now, especially with Fernando Tatis Jr. to build around because they're thinking that was going to be Manny, but now that Tatis is on the scene and he's kind of blown up, I feel like he's the better option right now. Yeah, and I I trust Tatis's glove more than. Anderson too and I mean Fernando Tatis's ability to steal bases too I mean he's, he's so fast he's overall a 
He's he's that that guy that he's he is electric. Maybe not as much as Tim Anderson, but I don't know. Tim Anderson gets he gets really into it sometimes, and that can be kind of an <laughs> like a bat flip, thing. that yeah, bat, bat flip, flip he thing. had on his own team. Yeah, causing a fight. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, with Fernando Tatis, you're getting the bat booming bat you're getting a glove you're getting speed that's what you want from a shortstop that's yeah, your, he's the exciting guy in your franchise and i think that's why especially I with a fan base like san diego they're gonna for you're gonna sure, have him there for so long for sure he's gonna be a cornerstone in that franchise but the last of the three as we now transition over into our nba topics this one's a good one and obviously these two have had the history together since draft night atlanta hawks point guard trey young or dallas point guard luca Doncic. Okay, some people are going to be wondering why, but I'm going to go with Trey Young. Okay, okay. For the reason being, so Luca came out and he was hot from the start. He did really well. Trey Young had a little bit of a rough go of it the first uh, for the first season. Getting compared to Luca, he wasn't having the same kind of production. I think he averaged like 19 points in 30 minutes or something like that. But when you look at this year, he's already improving. I feel like he's the better one to build around if you want to kind of have time so that way he's has his longevity because right now Luka Doncic came into a great spot with the Mavericks was able to learn behind Dirk Nowinski now he has Kristaps Porzingis by him so he has the he has kind of the duo but Trey Young I mean he had Vince Carter to learn behind but other than that he really didn't have a, somebody to kind of lean on and be able to kind of bear the load with him because he has Cam Reddish but Cam Reddish hasn't been able to come out hot Vince Carter was just old so although he was like super electric uh, in his old in his prime he was able to teach him, but he wasn't able to kind of take the game over and be able to uh, play really well. So I feel like coming into this, I mean, if you really want to, if I'm going analytical or whatever, I'd rather take him and then work through this draft of getting him someone who can take over games with him and be able to not just take over, but to kind of be a secondary for him. So that way he's still the main piece, but he has someone so that way if he can't score, then they can turn to them and they can be automatic. So I feel like to build a team around and to kind of go from, uh, that standpoint, I got to go Trey Young, but Luka Doncic, if you want immediate results, you got to go with Luka. Okay. Trevor? No, I agree with you there on Trey Young, actually. I was, okay. I was uh, I was glad to hear you say that. Um, I think when you look at uh, Luka coming into the league, yeah, he had a lot of pieces around him that uh, helped him get his start. Um, Trey didn't have those, but if I'm starting a franchise, I want Trey on my team, and like you said, you can build around him. Um, I'm going with Trey. Um yeah, I guess it's not. It's not like it's a like it's a hundred percent obviously Trey. It's so it's they're so oh, yeah. similar because they're really great basketball players. But yeah. I mean, like, sorry to kind of cut you off no, a little bit, Brandon. But Luca, I mean, he had that immediate, like I said, the immediate, uh, imp- the immediate uh, production. But Trey, I mean, he I think gained ten points a game from last year to this year. He's been playing very well, so that's kind of like the main reasons. I think he's just going to keep growing, and his abilities to score and abilities to pass and be a good team player is just going to keep going up. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be, I'll be the one on the island. I'll go with Luca here, and <laughs> I mean, both these guys. I mean, you look at the the three matchups we've made; they're coin flips, really. I mean, we would you'd rather have any either of those on your team for all three of yeah. these debates because but. they've all had like bad games and bad weeks, and like, yeah. when they come out. They might hit a slump, and but I mean yeah. they're just. I think I think Trey is out of the two the more exciting player, and I mean and that's kind of crazy to think about because everybody loves Luca. I mean Luca's personality, everybody loves Luca. I mean they should make a show called that. They should make a reality everybody TV show Luka. starring Luca Doncic. Bobin's there. Everyone's tuning in. I mean it's blowing up. But uh, yeah, they should. I should get a call from Disney about that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I mean when you look at how these two play with each other, are play compared to each other. I mean, 
what Trey brings to the table is fantastic. I mean, he can shoot from deep and he can make plays. He can make good passes. The only thing that I like Luke a little bit better is the consistency. And I think that's something that is a little bit of a question mark. That's really the question mark that makes Trey an undisputed all-star mm-hmm. is the, his consistency. Because there's times where he goes, I mean, he's a, he's a shooter. When you look at your star shooters, there are going to be nights where they go one per seven two of nine, whatever it may be. I mean, we saw, like, looking at the Rockets the year ago, missing 27 threes, that's what happens when you have shooters all having the bad night at the same time. So those things into consideration. Luka is overall more a consistent player, and he hasn't shot as well, but his ability to close in clutch time with mm-hmm. from outside is something that I would really love to have. Yeah. He's kind of that closer. I wouldn't say full Mamba mentality, but something similar to it, Luka mentality. But it's it's something that I really like with Luka is his consistency and his ability to make plays, be a team player, pass, rebound, run the floor, something that I really value. Mm-hmm. As far as if I was a GM, I would have Luka Doncic. Yeah. But both of them, fantastic players. It's Yeah, it's just a question of do you want kind of more instant results or do you want to have a guy who you can build around sure. and kind of have more exactly, yes. of a prolonged, uh, not dynasty, but prolonged championship runs. Yeah, for sure. As that kind of transitions over, hey, into um, the NBA draft being tonight. I know you guys were waiting for this. We talked a little bit about it Monday. Pistons got number seven. There's been rumors this morning. I mean, rumors flying around. I mean, we've already had deals been done. Drew Holiday's now a Milwaukee Buck. Chris Paul is a Phoenix Sun. Those things well, are... I did something. not see that. He's a Phoenix Sun. He's a Phoenix Sun. He is playing with D-Book. I, I could have swore he was going to go to the, back to the Clippers. Yeah, but... Wow. He is... Wow. He, wow. That's crazy. Who would have thought? It's like Kobe White from last, from last year's draft. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, dude. Wow. wow. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was a surprising move, honestly, but um, I love the move if you're Phoenix. I mean, obviously, I mean, to look at what OKC now has, Sam Presti looks like literally like, holy smokes. They literally have two or three draft picks in the first round over the next four years, five years. That's nuts. I mean, they're going to be in good shape for a rebuild for sure, and you still got um, Gilgis Alexander there to build around there. Steven Adams, they're in good shape still. I mean, they're probably not going to have as instant results here. I mean, rookie Rubio and, um, Kaylee Oubre, they're going to get you some wins, but mm-hmm. they're going to make the playoffs. Eh, I don't know. Chris Paul is really the guy that got him to the playoffs. So we'll see if that they're going to take control of that. But I mean, there's been some, there's been some big rumors going around. Obviously James Harden to the Nets. Everybody's talking about that, but that hasn't happened yet. And there's still talks about it. I think the Rockets are not willing to give up the farm. Or no, I'm sorry. Well, the Nets aren't willing to give up the farm to get hard in there and then have it dissolve yeah, like Harden and Westbrook yeah. did in Houston because that's what they did. Yeah. And now look what the situation they're in. It's too, yeah. It's, they already have KD and uh, uh, Kyrie who are too kind of not self-centered, but they definitely want the spotlight on them. And to bring another guy like James Harden who also wants the spotlight on him. That's just going to be, you're going to have to have guys make sacrifices that I don't think they're willing to make yet. So it's it's tough because it's just not a good idea, but I know that they're still thinking about it, and I don't think they realize that that's really not a good idea because they're going to have to give up so much produ- so much um, future and so much of the stuff that they've tried to produce and work so long for for a guy who maybe has a 30% chance of working out in that, in that uh, big three. Yeah, I think uh, if that big three does come together, um, you're going to have to see some maturity out of those guys to work mm-hmm. together. Sure. I think if that three could have been paired together earlier in their career, 
They could have, yeah. you know, when they uh, didn't have a name for themselves. Right. They could have done a lot better. I mean, it still blows my mind that KD, Russ, and James Harden were all on the same team in OKC. Oh my god! And could. if that if that team could have stayed together, what they could have blossomed into. Yeah. Um, I see a similar situation happening here. If if those guys can work together, something great could come out of it. But I don't know. You guys seen the rumor about uh, James Harden to the 76ers? Yeah, I have seen that rumor. Meek Mill. Meek Mill wants that to happen. <laughs> he's, 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 trying, he's, he's trying to get him there. So hard. He's trying to text. He's texting James like literally every two hour, two hours. Come, come, come. You can change this team around. And I think really if you're Houston, you're going to be asking for like Embiid. Simmons in return for yeah, that. It's gonna be not, too it's gonna be like a big blockbuster trade, yeah, most likely. I mean, Daryl Morey's there. So it could happen because he he's made those moves. He was the one that made the Russ move. So we could see that. It could be that could be kind of a something we'll we'll forget about. It'll be all nets, 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 and then wait. Oh, Clippers. Wait, what? So that'll be really interesting. I'm glad you brought that one up. But um there the Rockets do not seem to be in a rush for the trade. That is according to Woj. So and Woj is, you know, his word is basically set in stone. But um it's interesting what's happening in Washington to me. They're talking about the the general managing is saying that when they they were kind of asked about who their cornerstone guy was, and everybody would think it would be John Wall, but no, they said Bradley Beal. And that really makes me interested now, is John Wall going to get traded? Because John Wall is a guy that when he's on the floor, given, yes, injuries keep him from being on the floor, and he's a fantastic player on the floor, is there going to be a team out there that'd be willing to sacrifice to get a guy like him to bring some electric? And there was even, would he even, because the Wizards had trade talks with Russ, there would be a possible John Wall, Russell Westbrook trade. And that would be a very interesting thing, because I think... John Wall honestly could fit better with James in Houston. And I, I say that because he's used to another guy in the backcourt that can score. He's used to that. He's used because Bradley Beal can ball, man. He can. He's put up 30. He averaged he's almost 30 good. last year. He's sneaky good. Yeah. Borderline. I Okay. All-star snub last year. We'll say that. He should have probably been on there, but he wasn't. That is what it is. But when you got a guy like Bradley Beal and John Wall, obviously you'd hate to break that up because, I mean, those two are great. But if you have the opportunity to bring John Wall to Houston, I think he fits better with, because he's used to not being, because Russell Westbrook, him and OKC has now changed him because he's now consider himself, I'm the guy. And that's the role he wants now. And that's what he wants to be. And that's why I almost say, why not go to New York? You have nothing to lose and you bring Russell Westbrook there. He knows how to carry teams. Get the guys around him that will be willing to play with it's him. It's going to be a perfect situation go. for him because yeah. he wants to be the guy again, like an OKC, when he could get triple doubles and carry the team and not really have to pass the ball around. So sure, yeah. When you just have to worry about RJ Barrett as like your second guy who, I mean, hasn't had the production that the organization of the Knicks wanted so far. I feel like that would be a good situation, but it's in it's just in the fact it's in the fact of are they going to be able to get him and what are they willing to give up? True. It's it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, New York's already made a move. Uh, according to Woj, they've sent Utah uh, picks twenty seven and thirty eight for twenty three. So now they have two first rounders. So they obviously find two guys that they want in this year's draft. So it'll be interesting. Uh, the Warriors and Bulls talking about a trade. Golden State um, apparently is willing to give their pick to Chicago at number two for number four and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, Wendell, where Wendell Carter Jr. came from? I honestly don't know. <laughs> but obviously they like something from him if they want to trade from him. But the, the possibility of that swap there, it really makes me interested if 
are they going to try to get Lamelo? Is that what they're thinking right now? Because I mean, they they've have Zach Levine and um, Lori Markinen. Chicago. Yeah. I I mean that would be a good pick. I mean I feel like he could. I they would have to keep Zach Levine on because he would they would need someone to kind of be a fallback. But because there was talks that they were going to try to trade Zach Levine away for. Sure, uh, and now I, that's what picks, makes me but... think: Are they actually going to go through with it now? And if they want to really start over and get Lamelo for a fresh start, I'm telling you what: Detroit needs Lamelo. We just need to make it happen. <laughs> need to make it happen. I don't yeah. know how we're going to make it happen, but it needs to. It needs to happen. What if we're going to have to do that though? We're going to have to trade for one or two because the Hornets are number three. Michael Jordan said this morning, Lamelo's there. We're pulling the trigger, so he's going to be gone by number three, according to. Um, nah, it wasn't actually Woj. It was um, I forgot his name. Ringer. I forgot his yeah. uh, first name. Yeah, but anyway, he broke that news this morning that MJ has said that Charlotte will get the green light for Lamelo at number three. So now that means we're gonna have to make a trade with Golden State. I don't think Minnesota's trading the number one. They've already said that they wouldn't. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, it could happen. I don't know. I mean. Anything can happen on draft day, and obviously the next 12 hours are going to be insane. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Because, I mean, last year, or two years ago, the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade, could you imagine if those two are on different teams, what they would look like? So it, 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 crazy things can happen. I mean, um, Gordon Hayward, seems like he's always on the trade block. He is on the trade block for Boston right now. There's Actually, the Hawks, ironically, are the ones that are looking at him. Funny mm-hmm. I brought that up, but it'll be, I don't know. It's there's a lot of I mean Celtics even had expressed for Harden and I I know they they're yeah. not going to do it. They can't pull the trigger on that. I don't I think I feel like he has work. the same kind of mentality that Kyrie had when he came in. He was like I want to be the guy but then when that didn't work out, he kind of just like, yeah, I'm just not even going to try anymore. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm looking at the mock draft right now and I know Trevor you brought this up before the show off air about how like it's changing. And I mean, now we have on um, Consensus number one is still Anthony Edwards. I have my concerns, but I'm not an NBA GM, so they're not going to listen to me. Um, then number two now is actually James Wiseman. After a couple weeks ago, he was ten. So now we're seeing yeah, something he's like go that. Up. So it, that'll be interesting. Um, I think number three right now is Lamelo to Charlotte, and number four is actually Obi Toppin going to the, the Knicks. And I I was kind of surprised about that, but. I could have seen him falling a little bit farther. And I, I honestly thought that, I mean, we looked back two months ago, top end of the Warriors was almost a lock. That that seemed like it was going to be the, the they were going to move him down to a stretch five. They're going to they're gonna move on from Kevon Looney. Sad, but probably true. Excuse me. That was, whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just had a brain fire there for a second. But it, I mean, these rumors going around, it always it's always fun just to read these and see what's going on and, how many different moves can be made, and it's just crazy, and it's it's going to be a fun next 12 hours. Obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, we've already seen um, the Pistons make a move. Troy Weaver made the move, getting rid of Bruce Brown. I mean, kind of sad to see Bruce Brown go. I like watching Bruce Brown, but I mean, we wanted the draft picks instead, so I mean... Andre Drummond is staying with the Cavs, so the Cavs are going to be losing their bank account soon. So that'll <laughs> that'll be interesting. Um, but oh, hold up, just in Minnesota is still undecided on number one. That's big. They don't know That's big yet. for Detroit. They That's don't big know for Detroit because yeah. I don't know. That could be because that means they could take Lamelo too, though. So I guess so. Trade away. Uh, Here's it. If Lamelo give Derrick Rose back to the back to the Timberwolves, and then we get Lamelo. 
We'd have to send picks and farm though. Yeah, I guess we're gonna, so. yeah, we're gonna have to give up a little bit more. We're gonna have to give up part of the farm for Lamelo, and if that's they want to do that, I'm that's okay the with crappy, that. That's the crappy part about like this draft is like if we want Lamelo or like Anthony Edwards or someone or go up in the draft to like the top three at least, we'll have to give away so much of our farm that we spent so long just like yep grooming and uh, who is it um. Seku. Seku. They're going to want Seku. They yeah, might they want Svi. They might want... I, honestly, if somebody wants Kennard, I'd be open to take that because he really hasn't been as dynamic of a player from Duke that he was, or I should say in college, that he, he really is in the NBA right now. So I would consider it because I think down the line, I think he's going to get better, but how progressively better he's going to get every year, it's probably going to be a while. And is he going to want to stay in Detroit that while? I mean, that's a question we need to ask for every single franchise player on our team. I mean, looking at Blake Griffin. So, I mean, hey, we could get Russell Westbrook. I don't want that to happen, no, but I don't we want could. That, to happen either. that would probably be, uh, honestly, we would get Westbrook and probably like a first or second round pick for Blake. That would probably be the ideal trade for if we wanted to do that, which I mean, yeah. a pick is good, but. I like I like the the chemistry and what's being built in Detroit. It's just taking a long time, and I mm-hmm. I know that's why we're all kind of like, oh, we need something yeah. now. A lot of a lot so. of fans just want the instant results rather than kind of wait and I stuff. Know. And I feel like if we do wait, we're gonna have a really good situation because we're actually rebuilding the right way, and we're finally putting pieces together. But I feel like people are just so impatient and don't actually realize like this is a good thing we got going. Let's not mess it up. And then mm-hmm. as soon as that goes down. Is people are gonna be like, oh wow, like why don't we just keep these people? And it's like they're gonna be the same people who are saying we want something different. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Pistons are building something really special, and you know what they add to it tonight is gonna be interesting to see. But you know, I'd really, I said this off air too. I really hope that they pick someone that's just a little bit exciting. You know, yeah, someone that has a little bit of flair to their and game. Take over, yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, Detroit, Detroit sports in general, when they're making draft picks, they're going with the safe pick, the some someone they know is probably gonna be. Uh, productive even in you know a smaller role on the team it's a solid but, meh draft pick yeah solid meh. yeah that's how i always feel when i uh watch detroit sports uh draft their teams yeah. so of course the lions had a pretty decent draft last year but yeah, uh yeah sure. really really interested to see uh who the pistons come away with i think this draft is so exciting because there's so much uncertainty you know, oh there, yeah there's nothing set in stone it's not like drafts of old where you know who's going one, two, three, or you know yeah. the, the the number one pick is set in stone. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know we at this point in time it could be anybody. I wouldn't be surprised to any of those names we've mentioned go number mm-hmm. one, number two, number three, and you know like we said those trades that there could be still some shuffling yet before uh, the draft even takes place. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. Hoping that the uh, Pistons can obviously add someone that's going to continue to contribute to what they're building there and. Uh, it'll be it'll be a fun it'll be a fun watch this evening. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun to watch it tonight. And um, I know Detroit. I mean, we've had talks of trading down at some point. I think Boston was a potential suitor for that, and we would be getting. I, I think it was like seventeen or twenty eight, something like a mid first and a late first to give up our seventh. But will that happen? I don't know. It seems like the Celtics are kind of looking at. I think I think Gordon Hayward is the piece that's gonna tell the tale because if he goes they might move up because they want to fill that spot immediately because they got some good going here they really do and i think like they obviously not having Kyrie anymore sucks but they, they still have a really good squad and i think they just need that one they, they they need that one playmaker now that Kyrie's gone and that's why they're looking at moving up to seven but if hayward takes his option extension so then that's probably going to tell the story that they're going to wait mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting and i know we've talked about detroit trading up but Rounding out the show, if we're at seven, who are we picking? That's I don't know because there's like you said, 
Trevor, there's so much uncertainty that we don't know who's going to be there. I'm hoping that just like there's if Killian Hayes is there, I feel like we I feel like we have to take him because we need a we need a point guard who can be there for the long haul and that doesn't have like basically like ancient knees right now that have just been have to basically just rebuild from the ground up. So like if we get a point guard, I'll be happy. Killian Hayes, I feel like if he's there, we got to take. Um, but I mean, there's just so many guys who I'm just not sure about could be that guy to kind of take over and be the one to, in a game to, in a game, in a tight game situation to basically put the team on their back and get the W. So if if we pick someone like that, then I'll be happy, but I don't know who's going to be there at the time for us to pick. Exactly. It's so hard to say who's going to be there. Um, at that point in time with the seventh pick, if we do trade up, you know, there's an opportunity to get some of those other guys that are there. If we trade down, of course, maybe we're going to add some more pieces that can contribute mm-hmm. to what they're building. But uh, I know ESPN said Patrick Williams to the Pistons, I believe. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. That could, It'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. That could be an interesting. I mean, he's a small forward, so, I mean, he could fill a role that we need, but I don't know. I'm just saying we need a point guard. We need a – we just need – Someone that could take him into the floor because Blake Griffin, we thought we were, he was going to be like that, and I think he's on a power forward. Or, or he was expected to be the guy, the guy we've been waiting for, the playmaker, the guy that can take over games. Which he, yeah, it, it, he he does that. It's just hard to keep him on the floor now. I mean, he's getting he's getting older. We have we have it's like what it's we have basically. And it was oh three oh four Pistons were just all role players and one guy who could take over. We have the role players. We just need that takeover player, exactly. and we can get we can go far. And it's like we just need to like literally we just need that one guy. And if we don't do that in this draft, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chalk it up as a as a L because <laughs> because if we take role players or European players again who just like no one's ever heard of, I feel like that's just not great. You want American bread? I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need someone who can take over. Okay. Like, because usually when we take European players, it's no one's. It's someone who's never heard of. Like, I want to. Like, if we took like if a guy like Luca was in there, who was like a European player who was like proven to be very good, and we took him, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I get have a problem of us taking like no name players who, no like at best are gonna be a a moderate role player. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Like taking taking a European player that nobody's heard of is hard on a fan, you know. Yeah, Cause, it really cause is. It's hard to be you know confident in that pick, but I I think it might also be hard on the team too. Like, where is this guy coming from? You know, they they know they know college players and what they're capable of, um, in the states. So, I think uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, all all you have to mention as a Detroit fan is the name Darko. <laughs> and, yeah, let's stop there. That just that that right there can explain what we're talking about right now. That sort of stuff. But it, I think, I mean, if a guy like Tyrese Halliburton's there, they're gonna consider it because he's a great player out of Iowa State. I've watched him a couple times. I mean, there's been times where he's a little streaky, but I mean, he can he can score. I think that I think the number one thing that they were looking at as far as his weaknesses is contested shooting, which I think that's something you can improve, right? Well, I mean, you can you can teach a guy how to shoot better. I mean, you can like. You can't you like the phrase you can't give somebody body size, but you can get you can teach them skill. You can't teach them body size, you can teach them skill. Yeah. So he he has the the athletic that finesse style of play um, with his size that really goes well. So I think that's something. Williams to me, if we take him, that's almost telling me that we're preparing for Blake to leave because he's kind of that similar guy we were expecting. So that kind of tells me that Blake might be on his way out. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. I mean, I think one thing that will be interesting is if in the next 12 hours i'm not saying it's going to happen i hope this doesn't happen if christian wood decides to get dealt somewhere 
does that mean now that if James Wiseman falls, we're going to take him and start at the five there with him? I don't know, but that could be a wild possibility that could happen. So, I mean, Chris Christian Wood's been in talk by a lot of teams, like a lot, a lot of teams, especially how he's done this year. I personally hope we keep him, but I know he's had, he has his opinions on Detroit. So we'll see how that goes. But it's going to be really exciting. We're looking forward to it, guys. But thank you for watching. Or watching? What? Listening? Listen. What? That I was, was going to say. Let's that was interesting. Say, All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. And um, check out more of our episodes. Trevor, thank you for joining the show, man. You were awesome. We look forward to getting more athletes on. Um, Joe, another good day in the office, my man. Always. Take care, everybody. Yeah.